Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Welcome in. This is Basketball U on ESPN 1000. You can also catch us on 100.3 HD2. Take us on the go with the ESPN Chicago app. And, of course, you can watch the show on Twitch. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling, every single Sunday throughout the rest of the college basketball season, we're going to be talking some college hoops with you. Right through to the Final Four. It's going to be a lot of fun here. We did this last year as well, and we're back, and we're ready to talk some college basketball because... It has been quite the season if you're just parachuting in right now. Maybe you caught a little bit of yesterday's action, and boy, did we have some great games yesterday. We'll get to all of that in a little bit, but let's first, Shay, we've got to sort out what's going on in the Big Ten because this is an absolute blank show right now. You've got six teams all vying for the number two spot in the conference for the upcoming Big Ten tournament, which will take place at the United Center starting on Wednesday. But you look at everything that's going on within the confines of the conference. Anyone can beat anyone within this conference. So we've got six games slated for you today. And I mentioned there's six teams all jockeying for that number two spot in the Big Ten right now. But you look top to bottom. I don't see the Big Ten as any sort of conference that scares me heading into March this year. It's the same Big Ten it's always been. <laughs> Dude, if you look at this, I mean, it's going to take smarter men than us to work this thing out. Oh, we tried upstairs. <laughs> I thought it was like banging my head off the desk. You look at the standings, and I'm not even going to give you the teams. I'll just run through all the teams that are in play for second place. 11-8, and then if you go through like Maryland, Northwestern, Indiana, and Illinois, the next thing they go to is the overall win-loss against D1 teams. They're all 20-10. and 10. Yep, with a couple 19 and 11 splashed in there, and some of those teams have a chance to get to 20 and 11 coming up today. But it it's going to be impossible to really sort this out. I guess we can kind of look at who's got an inside track, right? I think Indiana's got one of the better inside tracks. Now, there's a bunch of different tiebreakers that go into this. So if there's more than two teams tied for that second spot, which in all likelihood is where I think we're going to end up, by the end of this Sunday, we'll have more than two teams tied for that second spot. Then you round, start round robbing all those teams together to see who comes out victorious, who's got the best record. Then after that, you get into record against Division One opponents like you laid out there. It can get to the point where we may need so a commissioner coin flip. And in case you missed it, there's no commissioner the of commissioner? the Big Ten right now. They're going to have to bring Kevin Warren down from the skybox <laughs> at Soldier Field to flip a coin. So it can be the Big Ten commissioner or a designee. I think it would be perfect if Kevin Warren is the designee for the, the, the coin flip. But you may need a three-sided coin. If you get down to it. I, or you have to do seven flips. You got to flip it for each team. Like, I, this is so mind-bending, what's happening in this conference. And the funniest thing, Tyler, they're going to get the Big Ten. They're going to get nine, ten, maybe 11 teams yeah. into this tournament. Mm-hmm. How many of them make the second weekend? If I gave you over under two and a half to go to the Sweet 16. I would give you, I would take the under and I would house it. I would house it. Because... This conference does this every single year to us, right? And I think there's, 
when you look at the Big Ten this year in particular, like last year, it made sense why Purdue could go as far as they did because they had a complete team. They had plenty of depth. The guy who's going to win player of the year this year, Zach Eady, was coming off their bench last year. And when he wasn't coming off the bench, it, it, he was paired in a, it wasn't paired in a starting lineup, but he had an all Big Ten first teamer as his replacement. Oh, right? by when the he way, was they, starting. they had a top five pick in the NBA. Exactly, draft. with Jaden Ivey. And he was the motor for that team. He was the, the guard, and you need guard play if you want to survive in March. And that's, I mean, we're doing the same thing again this year. You look top to bottom in the Big Ten, and there's not very <laughs> no encouraging guard play. In fact, the, one, the best guard in the conference, Jalen Pickett out of Penn State, may not make the tournament. So just go figure there. It's going to be, you're going to see a lot of the same things where Hunter Dickinson, can you get him the ball late in the game and have him make a shot? I know he did last week against Wisconsin, and he's a little bit of a different beast because he can step out and shoot a little bit. But Zach Eady, can he get the ball in a crunch time moment? Or are you going to have to rely on freshmen? And, and that's why I don't think that this Big Ten is going to have a a sort of renaissance for next year. Well, it's, it's what everybody talks about. Too. It's like classic Big Ten basketball, smash mouth. Everything's going to be super physical. Everybody plays big. But then you get to the tournament, and like you mentioned, there's no dynamic guard in this conference. Like, Indiana's probably the best position backcourt-wise to do something in the tournament. I would say Northwestern, too, actually. Yeah, that's but fair. They, they're... We'll get to Northwestern a little bit later on. They're kind of crumbling right now. But I would say they're more a product of age as opposed to... And, and like they've got a good backcourt with Chase Audige and Boo Booey. But, I mean, I think Boo Booey was there when, when I was in college. Like, <laughs> this COVID eligibility is something... I mean, <laughs> throwing you for going, a loop. going through the names that are still in college basketball is crazy. Some of these guys, like LJ Cryer at Baylor, I think still has a year left. Or you look around, the guy who was three points short of breaking the all-time scoring record feels like he played 10 years at Detroit, Antoine Davis. Mm-hmm. The COVID eligibility is throwing me And he may loop. get another game, too, because they're jockeying to try to get into the, the CBI tournament so he can break a record. We, he'll go out there... He'll get he'll get three buckets and then he'll mic drop and I think his dad will sit him the rest of the game. Yeah, go get four points. But here's the th- okay. So this is getting off track a little bit. What happens with that record? You beat Pistol Pete Maravich. You beat the record. You get the all time scoring thing. But it took you like double the games. And in your chance to actually do it in a real game instead of this invite to the CBI that your school's got to pay for so you can go play in it. You go 7 of 26, all you needed was 26 points. You can't shoot 7 of 26 in your break-the-record game. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, you look at... I mean, the NCAA, isn't this the the sport uh, and sports of asterisks, right? Like, we li- like the NCAA should just have an asterisk as a part of it, and, and, and as well, a part Big of their Ten branding. conference, for sure. Just yeah. put an asterisk right. on the Big Ten when yeah. it comes to playing in the tournament. But... Yeah, you look at what what's going on in the Big Ten today. So here are the the six games that we have today. We've got number twenty one Maryland on the road at Penn State. Maryland's one of those teams in the logjam right now at eleven and eight. You've got Illinois on the road at number five Purdue. Illinois, one of the teams in the logjam there. Nebraska at eight and eleven at Iowa, eleven and eight. A critical game there. You've got Michigan and Indiana. Both of those teams eleven and eight. That game being played at Assembly Hall. And that's the only game we, I mentioned. There's six teams that are at 11 and 8 right now. Six teams, and this is the only matchup we've got between 11 and 8 teams. Northwestern, 11 and 8. They're at Rutgers. 
And then you've got Wisconsin at Minnesota. That's really not going to weigh too heavily or do too much to the, the seeding of importance there. I, I look at a couple of these games here. I think you've got a couple of games that have upset potential. I think Penn State could take down Maryland. And well, also, they're favored. That's not even an upset. I guess, yeah, but I'm talking, I guess I'm talking yeah, from the sure. confines of the teams that are going for a two seed here. Um, and then Rutgers could spoil Northwestern as well. And, and again, both those teams are favored, but I think those are two teams that could sort of knock things out a little bit here. And then your team, Michigan State, they're in an awkward situation here because it's almost like the tie that we see in football. They are not going to play a game. They'll have one less game, yeah. Right, because of the the tragic shooting that took place in East Lansing. So that game against Minnesota has been canceled. So they're going to be playing one fewer game than all of these teams, but they're one of those teams right now that currently sit at 11-8. and So it is a giant logjam, and everyone's trying to get in for second place in the Big Ten right now. What's strange for Michigan State, and I I guess we're going to see how this all works out, 11-8 and is better than 11-9. and So somebody's going to lose today, whether it's Michigan or Indiana or Iowa or one of these teams. They're going to get screwed by the fact Michigan State played one less game and has a better winning percentage. Right, and and that's just the way that the Big Ten... I mean, it's the most Big Ten close to the season, it feels like. If you've got a thought on what you've seen in the Big Ten this year, anything you want to talk college hoops, 312-332-3776. Tyler Rocky and Shane Norling here with you on basketball. You will be with you every single Sunday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., talking college basketball with you through the end of the season. So looking forward to doing that with you the rest of the year. Now, we'll get to a little more of an in-depth Illinois-Purdue preview in a little bit because that game I think is certainly important even though Purdue has locked up the number one spot in the conference tournament I I think that from an Illinois vantage point there's been a lot of moving parts with this fighting Illini team this year but the other thing the Big Ten tournament is here in Chicago why is that important well we know there are large Big Ten fan bases here in our great city right you got Iowa bars out the wazoo here. You've got Illinois fans. You've got Northwestern fans. You've got Michigan, Michigan State fans. They're, they're, everyone's accounted for here in the, the city of Chicago. Because there's such a logjam there, if you're trying to buy tickets to go to the Big Ten tournament, you've got one of two options here, all right? You can try to play the, play the odds and play the math, all right? Illinois, in all likelihood, let's. I think Illinois is probably the biggest contingency we've got here. Probably, right? yeah. So Illinois, if you play the math here, probably going to lose to Purdue, right? That would bump them to the Thursday game. Those Thursday tickets, if you check on StubHub or if you check on SeatGeek or wherever you, you go for tickets, are much cheaper than what you're going to find on Friday, where Illinois, if they win, they would start on Friday. I, if I'm an Illinois fan, I'm looking to get to lock up some Thursday tickets. What are they, because, like 14 bucks? Yeah, 15 you, you bucks? can save yourself like $80, $90, maybe even $100 by going, f- uh, going to buy those tickets for Thursday. And again, there's multiple sessions, so you're kind of taking a, a little bit of a gamble there as well because there's the morning session and yeah. then there's the night session. But if you might as well lock them up, and yeah. then worst case, you sell them off. Right. Northwestern might play on Thursday too. Right. I mean, the, the, the whole tournament. Trying to figure out who's going to play when, where everybody's going to be seated, you can't do it. Right. Like, there's, there's the whole thing. You know, in the NCAA tournament, a team, two teams will play each other, and you know, like, they're the last game of the night, and so there's coaches from the next opponent. They're scouting 
their their future opponent, right? One and two. You can't even get ahead on a scout at this point if you're trying to plan for the Big Ten tournament. Like, there's always an assistant on every team that's in charge of future scouts. And they can't future scout for the Big Ten tournament right now. It is literally impossible to do this. And these are for teams that are playing on Thursday, the second day of the tournament. It's impossible to do, and it's an exercise in futility. The one thing we know is the dumpster teams at the bottom of this conference right. who will open it on, on – I mean, this whole deal with this con- – I can't look at it anymore. Tyler, it's driving me nuts. How is the entire conference 11-8? and eight? All we need is that coin flip, right? That unattended That's coin flip. That's what I want. So the fact that Kevin Warren left the Big Ten, there's no commissioner in place, and this all could boil down to the commissioner or a designee flipping a coin. I need the invisible commissioner flipping a coin to figure out Big Ten tournament seating. That would be that, awesome. And televise it because yes. it would be incredible television. I need the teams watching from their locker rooms the live feed of the coin flip and like the selection Sunday camera of everybody getting hyped up heads or tails. Let the te- let the teams call the sides. Yes, I love it. I and mean, listen, you may need a three four sided coin to do it too with the way that everything is going right now. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We've got a loaded slate in the Big Ten today, um, including Illinois and Purdue. We'll get into the Illini and the Boilermakers coming up next. This is Basketball U on ESPN one thousand. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000, Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling with you. We're going to join you throughout the tournament every single Sunday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. right here on ESPN 1000. You can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Love talking college hoops with all the Twitchers over the course of the week. They know that they're not going to get a ton of college basketball talk on our station usually, but they know that we're good for a good college basketball chat in the Twitch chat as well. So, oh, always. Always. I'm always giving out picks in there. The real degenerate lines. <laughs> I, this guy over here, yesterday, he goes, Maris plus two, and then walks away from me. Like, what, what are we doing? Maris, Maris plus two. Speaking of dead teams walking, <laughs> okay. Maris yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Some uh, of the stuff you get into, Tyler. You get, you, let's get with you. Fairly Dickinson to win the conference tournament. That at least has has legs right That's now. That's a degenerate bet. <laughs> it is. That's well, a call I, the hotline I pick, play. I pick every single conference tournament. I put a little future down on every single conference tournament. Well, just, so just the consistency. Small. Yeah. Fairly, so what's going on with Fairly, so Dickinson? Fairly Dickinson? There's a story there, here. There's, there's a big story here. Um, so we did have our first tournament team punch its ticket yesterday. That was Southeast Missouri State. Um, can you tell me the mascot for Southeast Missouri State? Uh, can you tell me what conference Southeast Missouri State is in? This is really like playing darts. <laughs> I know it's not the NEC. I, I, I couldn't tell you. It's the, not the... the, the I don't know Mississippi Valley, some weird name. They're in the Ohio Valley, so you got. I was going to go Ohio Valley. Valley. I was watching Ohio Valley games yesterday. I was going to just shoot shoot a blank on that. And they are the Golden Eagles, and it is their first tournament. I was going to say Eagles too. You should have given me a minute. 
I, I gave you plenty what of minutes. What are they we doing copying Marquette? We can't, we can't just le- let the, the dead air uh, go off here. There's alarms that siren off. Um, but Shout out Jim Rome. Their first, their first NCAA tournament since 1963. That's the second longest active streak, um, which has been, of course, snapped after yesterday. So congratulations to Southeast Missouri State. They are going dancing, as is Fairleigh Dickinson. Because of a little bit of controversy here, and that is because of the fact that they are in the NEC championship, and they are facing off against the one seed in the conference, Merrimack. Now, Merrimack took the leap from D2 to D1 a couple years ago, and there's a four-year reclassification process. So, therefore, they're ineligible for the NCAA tournament, even though they won their regular season and now are in their conference championship game. They've got a chance to win the conference championship However, they are even if they did win the conference championship, you hang the banner, but you don't get to go to the tournament. This has to be the dumbest rule I've ever heard of because it's not like they did something wrong. This is an Ohio they State. They leveled up. This, yeah, this is an Ohio State recruiting violations. They did something good. They got to a higher classification. They made it to Division One, and now they're the best team at a D1 conference, and their reward, uh, go F off. We don't want you in our uh, NCAA tournament because you got to wait four years for reasons. Um, Unbelievable. If you're the best team in a conference, you win the conference tournament, you should be in the tournament. I agree. No matter what the, the situation is. Three so, one. quickly, what mm-hmm. happens? Fairly Dickinson, they have to win this game. Even though they've automatic bid to the tournament, Yes, you have to have them win the game for you I to win your bet. I need them to win the game for me to win my bet. Brutal. Yes. So, I will be locked into, I believe the game's on Tuesday. I'll be locked into the NEC championship. Fairly Dickinson, Fairly Dickinson and Merrimack. That's a hotline play. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. You want to talk some college hoops with us? All right, we've got Purdue and Illinois coming up in about eight minutes from now. Now, when you look at Purdue, this is a team that has really struggled here down the stretch. They squeak past Wisconsin on the road the other day, but they have lost three of their last five games after beginning the year twenty-two and one. Um, really, four of their last six games, I should say, that they've lost. Four of their last six began the year 22-1. and one. They had some super impressive victories early on out at the PK-88 um, against Gonzaga, against Duke. And they didn't just win those games. They blew the doors off of those teams early on. And that's what allowed Purdue to rise into the rankings. Again, began the year unranked, rise through the rankings, and then ultimately get to number one there. It's been a great season for Purdue. But we're seeing them start to sputter a little here down the stretch. Now, they've locked up the Big Ten, okay? So maybe some of the motivation here is a little bit off, but you've got a senior day as well. But this is a team that is just very, very young right now. And I don't know where their head is going into this NCAA tournament. Right now, they're slated to be a two seed. They have been kind of had a, a hold on a one seed pretty much all season long. But here we sit at the beginning of the Mar- of March, and they're looking at probably a two-seed when it's all said and done. Doesn't it feel like that first loss to Indiana at Assembly Hall kind of rocked them yes. mentally? Mm-hmm. They have not recovered. That 79-74 back-and-forth game at Assembly Hall, they have not recovered since losing that game. They got the win at Iowa, but then you go to Northwestern, to Maryland, you get stormed, the court gets stormed on you twice yeah. after losing at Indiana. Then you lose to Indiana again at home. And that wasn't even close at the end. I, I fed the stat to, to Carmen, I think, a week ago or maybe two weeks ago. Purdue, their last eight road losses have all been court stormings. 
that's just so deeply all unserious. In, all in court this is where stories. people talk about, and he is. Matt Painter's a fabulous coach, but this mm-hmm. is where people talk about the consistency he's brought and the streak of finishing top twenty-five in Kempom and all mm-hmm. of this stuff. But it's also a team I just don't trust. Like we talk about, they're sputtering out. Well, the calendar is flipping to March. It's about time for Perdon't to yeah. start struggling. Like. At Wisconsin, a team that's lost on their home floor six times this year, and you need to squeak out a win. It's just they don't look right. I don't, it's, this goes back to we get to the tournament and all these Big Ten teams are going to get in, and I don't trust any of them to make the Sweet 16. It's the same deal. Like today, I'll tell you right now, I got down on a little ILO. Good for you. Uh, And listen, like, seven and I believe seven and a half is the number for for tonight. Uh, Six and a half. Six and a half now. Um, Listen, I, like you, you don't know where this Purdue team's like their mind's gonna be right now because they're playing for nothing. They're like the only team in the Big Ten playing for nothing today. Um, everyone else they has are some, playing to be a number one seed in I the guess, tournament. Yeah, that's true. But like you can take care of that in your conference tournament. Yeah. Like if they go out win the Big Ten conference tournament, that means a lot more than I think if they were to lose today against Illinois. But Illinois, you know, they're going to be giving Purdue their best shot because they're trying to get that number two spot. In the the conference tournament coming up this week in Chicago. Well, everybody wants the double buy, and the double buys are all up for grabs. Right. So Illinois is a way more desperate team. Yes. And I, I figure Matthew Mayer was playing some video games last night. He'll be ready to go. Yeah, all monstered up, ready yeah. to go. Dude's Get the rock. two monster Love cans it. after you go on a personal 7-0 run. <laughs> Plant two monsters on the podium. For those who missed the story this week, Matthew Meyer was, is a transfer from Baylor, plays for Illinois. He was a part of the Baylor National Championship team from a couple seasons ago. But after their loss against Ohio State the other day, Matthew Meyer decided it would be a good idea to load up with five monsters, five of them. And he had caffeine poisoning, yep. which caused him to miss practice. He didn't practice until, what was it, Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, they lost on Sunday. And then he's at home playing Warzone or something. Five cans of Monster. Said it felt worse than a hangover, that he, the caffeine poisoning he was dealing with. And then he comes out, and in the game that Illinois plays in the other day, when they go out and beat Michigan in double overtime, he goes on, like you said, a personal 7-0 run that really spurs the team. And he was hitting step-back jumpers in people's eyes. And what do you know, Matthew Meyer there to save the, save the day all monstered up. Got himself an endorsement. Sure. Yeah. That's I mean, got to that, be in a That's commercial. a layup. That's a layup right there. So I'm all. I mean, ILL. I'm all in. Yeah. This is a. This is a spot. Look, uh, like you said, they're playing for something. They. There are a lot of desperate teams in the Big Ten today. I will say, if there's one team I don't want to back that is desperate, it is Illinois. Desperation is a very scary thing with me with the Fighting Illini this year because they've got a guy in Terrence Shannon, well, Lincoln Park's own Terrence Shannon who is either going to win you a game or completely shoot you out of a game, right? Like, it's him, it's Caleb Love's another guy. Even you look at um, Kirk Kreisa at Arizona, those are guys that will win you a game by going, like, 7 of of 9 from 3, but they can also give you an 0 for 12 clunker from distance as well. It's worth being scared off of, but you just got to hope the variance goes your way. Like, the shot's got to fall, Tyler. That's all I can ask for. So, I I, I don't know. I I like what I've been seeing from Illinois lately. They're so up and down, but I feel like the Michigan double overtime battle, needing that win. Now you go to Purdue. Don't know where Purdue's head's at if they're already looking to the tournament, the conference tournament. It's just a spot where, like, I'll look at Illinois and and the ability that they have, the talent that they have when things are clicking, 
I'll get on that side of things. Right. And, and listen, they've struggled away from home as well. They've won three of their last four games. The one loss was on the road at Ohio State, a bad, bad Ohio loss. a bad Ohio State team this year. They've lost um, their last three on the road. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, last four. All I need is to cover the seven, and I'm yes. good. I don't need him to win. <laughs> there you go. No, but it, you know, it, it really does come down to not trusting Purdue. I think Purdue's mm-hmm. really playing poorly lately. Yes. And I, it, frankly, in March, I don't trust them. It's I don't something either. about when the calendar flips. This is the dumbest thing in college basketball. But tell me that I'm wrong. There are teams that when the calendar flips to March, you just know they're not real. And <laughs> Purdue's one of them. Yes. Well, it's funny. Like, it's any month. Like, you look at uh, Virginia Tech and their head coach, Mike White. Like, people call him Mr. November because he gets out to these hot starts in November. And then all of a sudden, the the calendar flips to December and Virginia Tech looks like a shell of themselves. Uh, You've got Franuary, right? Yeah. Fran McCaffrey, a January warrior, flips to February and the wheels fall off. Like, all these little sort of nuances of college basketball are why you and I love the sport. It's because there is no mathematical or empirical data that actually back it up, but we just know it exists. Like, a lot of times, even Kentucky lately, which, one of the blue bloods of college basketball, but you Mm -hmm. saw what happened to them last year with St. Peter's, like, that... There are a lot of things, Michigan State lately, my team, it used to be January, February, Izzo. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you've made it out of the first weekend once in seven years. Right. I don't trust these teams. There's teams you look at and you just go, I can't do it. Tennessee's one of them for me. Yes. And earlier this year, I was like, I'm in on Tennessee. I think they could win it all. Lately, they're sputtering so much, and the offense is horrible that I'm just oh. like, I'm not interested. I don't like this the, the grind out slow pace. Mm-hmm. We're going to play our tough defense and not score. I don't trust you in the tournament. It works when you were Virginia a couple of years ago, right? Because you had guys that could score efficiently. Yeah, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, oh, what a tournament, Kyle Hunter. Guy I mean, it was a a fantastic team that they had assembled. While also having a top-tier defense that was hovering around number one throughout most of the year in the entire country in terms of the, the Ken Palm metrics there. That's when it works. It doesn't work when you've got what Tennessee has, though, where they're like the 50 or 60th ranked offense. So we, uh, speaking of Tennessee, we'll talk a little bit about some of the games and important results from yesterday that went down. We saw each of the top two seeds lose yesterday in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, plus a little bit of a late-night special for you as well out west. We'll break down all the action, including a pair of top ten matchups from yesterday on a loaded Saturday of college basketball. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling with you on Basketball U on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. We had a great Saturday of college hoops yesterday couple of top 10 matchups some drama some scares yesterday as well as we saw a couple of notable teams go down yesterday so joe lenardi's top two seeds were heading into yesterday at least were alabama and kansas 
each of those teams lost yesterday. Lenardi has since released a new uh, field of 68 that he's got out there. And even though both teams lost, Kansas is your new top overall seed, according to Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. If you go to Bracket Matrix, which for those unfamiliar with Bracket Matrix, it is a website that takes a composite of 57 bracketologists and just kind of does the math, crunches the numbers, and gives you what the consensus among all bracketologists is. It still has Alabama as the number one overall seed. It has Kansas as well as a one seed, just slightly behind them. Houston and then Purdue are your four one seeds there. But two of the one seeds losing yesterday, two of the top teams in the sport. Let's start with what happened in Alabama and A&M because this is an Alabama team that obviously there's been a lot of drama surrounding this program because of the implications that Brandon Miller has had in a shooting um, tied to Jamia Harris. Again, he was uh, allegedly drove the gun to his former teammate Darius Miles. So there's been this cloud of controversy. And for those unfamiliar with Brandon Miller, he is going to be or at least he was, I don't know what the case is going to be now, but he is the number one player, the most talented player in the sport. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's very close right now. No, it's not. Um, He is is the best player in college basketball. He is putting together one of the best freshman seasons since, what, Kevin Durant or Carmelo Anthony when they had their one-and-done seasons at Texas and Syracuse. Like, he is putting together, and he's doing it like a pro, too. Like, you're talking about a guy who's shooting about 45% from three, and he's doing it on seven attempts a game. 45% from the field, 40.4% from three. Who, nobody in college basketball is shooting 40% from three. Right. And, and he's doing it on volume as well. That's the other part that makes it ridiculous what he's doing. But So this Alabama team, and they had already locked up the SEC championship, so there wasn't much that they can do here. Uh, again, you're kind of playing for seeding at this point, but you can take care of that by going out and winning the SEC tournament in Nashville this week. Is it worth noting, though, that like Bama was rolling, aside yep. from the Tennessee loss, mm-hmm. before the Brandon Miller thing got public? And yes. again, Brandon Miller connected to a murder. Kind of a big deal. Yes. That gets out. Nate Oates knew about it. Whatever you think mm-hmm. of it, it's all out there. Since that's gone public, you've got 78-76 overtime needed to beat South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You've got a three-point squeak-out win against Arkansas. You had a huge comeback and needed overtime to beat Auburn. And then you go on the road and lose to Texas A&M. Is there something to be said? This team's not quite as sharp ever since this Brandon Miller thing went public. Well, they're a very young team. I will say this. It feels like it's affecting the other four guys on the floor way more than it's affecting Brandon Miller. He's been great. That first game out... He scored 41 points. It was an overtime game, but he hit the the, the game-tying game and the game-winning layups in the game. He follows that up with a 24-point outing, 17, 19. Like, he doesn't seem like he's been bothered by all this outside noise. And, I mean, every time he, he touches the ball, you, when he's on the road, he hears lock him up. Every single time he touches the ball. And... It feels like he's the only one not being impacted by this within the Alabama program right now. The last two games for him, I mean, at Auburn, or versus Auburn, 3 of 12 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, and then last night, 7 of 23, 19 Mm -hmm. points on 23 shots. But hit some big shots down the stretch. 
Of course, but it does feel it just maybe I'm wrong, but it feels mm-hmm. to me watching Alabama since this has been public and they've had this cloud hanging over them, they don't look as sharp as they did. This was a team that scored 108 points against Georgia. Then this thing comes out and it's like boy do they need some some help to win these games. So, they began the year in the SEC 12 and 0. They were winning by an average margin of 21 points during that 12 and 0 stretch to open up the SEC. And listen, last uh, yesterday afternoon, an untimely turnover at the end that kind of coughs the the game away there, but when you look at Alabama's long-term outlook, it's tough for, I I think if this cloud isn't hanging over them, they are squarely a team that you look at and say that's a team that can certainly cut down the nets in Houston at the final four. But Well, it is anyway. I mean, I texted you this morning. One of the questions I have, Nate Oates should be up for coach of the year. Brandon Miller should be up for player of the year. And you're talking nationally. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And also at conference. Like, Nate Oates should be, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. I know you like Buzz, but Nate Oates should be SEC coach of the year. I I think he should be SEC coach of the year. And part of it is you've got a team that starts three freshmen, right? This team hasn't hit a wall all season long. Right. And that, to me... Is, is really, really impactful when you're talking about coaching guys up and making sure they don't hit that freshman wall. We're seeing a freshman wall right now at Purdue, right? With that young backcourt yeah. of young, of, uh, with, uh, Foster Lawyer and, and Braden Smith. Um, or Fletcher Lawyer, I should say. His brother's Foster Lawyer. Um, don't, don't bring up Foster Lawyer. <laughs> this is, yeah, Fletcher you're, Lawyer. Fletcher Lawyer at Purdue. Um, that's the, that's what you're looking at there. They're not hitting this wall right now. And, like, listen, losses are going to happen, right? Yeah. Road loss at Tennessee, that's not a bad loss. Road loss at Texas A&M, who's quietly had a great season, not not something that phases me at all. But um, when you talk about nationally, I think there's some other coaches that certainly are in consideration. But this was an Alabama team that was picked to finish fifth in the SEC. And they've they, been one of the top five teams in the country all year. All season long, wire to wire. But this is why I bring it up. I mean, Brandon Miller, he scored some 80 points in a week. Mm-hmm. You know what he didn't do? Win SEC Player of the Week. So, yeah. like, when I when you see the voting at the end of the year, the thing that stands out to me is these guys might not win awards that they should, and the way this team's being talked about maybe isn't the way that it should, and it has nothing to do with basketball. He has, right, I think you're, you're spot on there. He has, he's not college basketball, and I think that's why he won't win National Player of the Year, right? Like, what is quote unquote college basketball? It's the guy who stays three, four years and usually a guard. This Zach case, Eady. like Zach Eady, he's not a guard, obviously, but he's been in the sport. And I mean, he's putting up historic numbers <laughs> when you look at what he's done this year from a double double standpoint, from a rebounding and scoring standpoint. Some of the, the 30 and 20 games that he's put together, 20 and 20 games that he's put together. But I, I look at when you talk about the most talented player, that is no question. Brandon Miller in this sport. Let's uh, move along here to a couple of the other games that we have. Um, Kansas and Texas yesterday. Texas taking this one by the horns. No pun intended. They're well 75-59. Absolutely throttling the Kansas Jayhawks here. You know, it's funny. Serge Jabari Rice from Texas. It feels like he is the, the catalyst for this team. When you look at some of the performances that he puts together, on this uh, Kansas team or on this uh, Texas team, it feels like he, when he's playing well, 
Texas is playing well. 23 points off the bench in this one. He had 24 in an overtime win against Oklahoma. 15 against Iowa State in a victory uh, against the the then-ranked 23rd Cyclones. He kind of feels like a catalyst on this team that has a bunch of different stars on it. Yeah, and I think the flip side of it is Texas... 75-59 win at home over Kansas, but our director of content, Danny Zetterman, the unapologetic Jayhawk fan, mm-hmm. takes issue with us saying Kansas lost. <laughs> Tyler, he texts us. Facts Kansas, are facts, Danny. Kansas didn't lose. They wrapped up the Big 12 earlier in the week and self-let the kids play that never play. <laughs> he rested the stars. We gave Texas a win, but we didn't lose. We rested the stars, yet we played Jalen Wilson 39 minutes, Daywan Harris 37 minutes, Kevin McCuller 33 minutes, who was battling foul trouble, by the way, KJ Adams 29 minutes, Grady Dick 28 minutes. That seems like the, the normal rotation for Kansas, Pretty doesn't it? Pretty much the lineup, yeah. Not Ugh. a lot of action for the guys who don't usually play. Come on, it is Danny. what it is. I will say this about Kansas. The loss yesterday doesn't scare me off no, this team. not one They're bit. still the leader in the clubhouse to me in terms of teams I really trust to win it all. One, they've done it. I have all the faith in the world in Bill mm-hmm. Self as a coach. I think the talent is there, obviously. They've been one of the best teams in the country all season. So the loss yesterday to Texas, the thing about the Big 12, the thing about every conference in, in college basketball, it's tough to win on the road. And yes. people don't talk about that enough. It doesn't matter how good you are. Going someplace like Austin with a Texas team preseason had all the pedigree in the world. Mm-hmm. This isn't some sl- some slouch team that they're going to play. It's not a big deal to me they lost this game they already had the Big 12 locked up. They're going to go to the conference tournament, probably take care of business. I still have full faith in Kansas. is one of the best teams in the country. So the quad one, right? Like the quad one wins. So what is a quad one win? It is anything ranked. Now there's these net rankings that the NCAA produces. And it ranks every single team in the sport. One through 353. And a team ranked 0 through 30, or 1 through, one through 30, is a quad one win at home. If it's zero to fifty on a neutral site, and then or one to seventy-five on a on a road game, so this is this is a Kansas team that right now has fifteen quad one wins. The next best team has eleven right now, and that actually is Texas. And it's kind of the product of playing in the Big Twelve, where everybody's it, quad one, especially especially on a ro- on the road. Every game is a quad one game, and even at home. Most games, like 90% of your games, are going to be I mean, quad one opportunities. Kansas is 15 and 5 in quad one games. 15 and 5. All they've played are quad one games. Yeah. There's no other team really like that. Maybe Texas, some of the Big 12 teams, like you brought up. But it means something to me for a team to be battle tested when we get to March. Like I always worry about Houston, Gonzaga. They don't play mm-hmm. anybody. Kansas, all they do is play people. 15 right. and 5 in quad one. That's impressive. Joe Lenardi. Uh, I talked with him earlier in the week, and he was saying how Kansas has, against his projected field, has picked up 18 wins against tournament teams. Now, for context, usually your number one overall seed has somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12. They've got nearly double that right now. So I'm not down on Kansas. I think this is a blip, not a bomb from yesterday. On the other side, though, I think this is a, a good win for Texas and one that they quite frankly needed after losing back-to-back games. But again, those were road games against quality teams, Baylor and TCU. And like you mentioned, Shay, it, it is tough to win on the road in, in college basketball. So uh, last game I want to get to here real quick, um, that is the... Uh, UCLA Bruins taking care of business against their rival, the Arizona Wildcats, last night. 
UCLA after dark. UCLA, I think, is one of the most slept on teams this year. Now, you could be looking at me and saying, Tyler, they're, they're a projected one seed. How could you say they're, they're being slept on? Who the hell is talking about UCLA as a team that can win a championship right now? I, I'm not hearing a lot of UCLA buzz. Earlier in the week on FanDuel, I saw their odds at plus 1,000, and I looked at it and said, that's the best value on the board right I'd now, and I, took, that. and I took some. Well, that's part of it is just you play in the Pac-12. And if, we, yes. if we're really honest about media in this country, it's an East Coast country. If yes. you're not playing your games before 10 at night, half the country's not seeing you. That's right. just the way it is. So part of it is nobody's talking about them because nobody's watched them. But if you have, Tiger Camel, Jamie Jaquez, they've been great this year. It's one of the teams that hits the qualifiers. We'll get to it in a little bit. They're mm-hmm. top 25 in offense, top 25 in defense by Kempom. Every, except for 2014 UConn, every single tournament that has existed while Kempom's existed, the champion has been top 25 in both. It's a great metric there. So UCLA, a 10-game winning streak to close out the regular season. I think there's something to be said, all right, when you play in some of these dumpster conferences like the Pac-12. And this year, I think this iteration of the ACC as well, the AAC. My whole thing is don't make headlines. UCLA has not made headlines this year, right? They, They lost to Arizona on the road. You get that, right? You lose to USC on the road. You get that. Your other two losses this year came in Vegas against Illinois and Baylor. And that was when Illinois was kind of rolling early on in the season. And Baylor's Baylor. Like, you have four quality losses this year. You've won 10 games to close things out. And there's some tough travel in the Pac-12 as well. Like, everyone talks about the Utah-Colorado stretch. We're talking end of February. And UCLA goes out and handles Utah and Colorado on the road and closes things out with home victories against Arizona State, who could be a tournament team, and then Arizona, who definitely will be a tournament team, maybe even a two-seed. But you beat them by nine last night. You were really in control of the game pretty much after the six-minute mark of the first half, uh, six minutes to go mark in the first half. And they just rolled their way through this conference and picked up another uh, tournament uh, uh, Pac-12 championship. So good stuff there from the UCLA Bruins. All right, when we come back, there is one team in the Big Ten that's struggling right now, and also one team who the name on the front may get them into the tournament. We'll talk about that when we come back. Basketball U with Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. All right, Shay, we've got one team in town that has really been sputtering as of late. And I'm talking in the college ranks of things. And that is the Northwestern Wildcats. You know, everyone was pumping up Northwestern's tires, right? Big win against Purdue at home. Big win against Indiana at home. Big win against Iowa at home. But the wheels have fallen off as of late. They have lost their last three games. They absolutely choked away one against Illinois and in Champaign. You lose on the road, got 
crushed by Maryland. You'll lose in overtime at home against Penn State in a game where you were up early. That's the bad loss. That's, That's the one that's like you lose at Illinois, you lose at Maryland. I can right. get over that. When you lose at home to a Penn State team that's at the bottom of a conference that I don't think is very good, they're starting to look more like the team that was picked to finish at the bottom of the Big Ten than the team that had this magic run through the first half of the season. Now, tip of the hat to Chris Collins because he's done a great job. He has done a fantastic job this year. This is a team that is going to the NCAA tournament, right? There's almost nothing they can do to not make the tournament field this year. Um, they play Rutgers later on today on the road, a game that I think both you and I would project as a Rutgers victory. Yeah. Um, but this is a team that has a chance to lose five heading into the NCAA tournament. What does that do, and how does that make you feel about Northwestern as they head into March, like into an NCAA tournament where there's not a lot of pedigree? It would be only the second NCAA tournament in Northwestern basketball history. Well, we were just talking in the break about how polarizing they are when you look at some of the bracketology. Anywhere between 6 and 10, I think they're probably shading more towards the 10 than yes. they are the upper side of that. And that's where things get really dangerous. You don't want to be that 10-seed matchup, and all of a sudden your season ends this magic ride where Chris Collins did so much great work. You got this incredible season out of Boo Booey. People forget this team was picked to finish 13th or 14th in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. And they ran nearly at the top of it for most of the season. I mean, second place at times, a game behind Purdue at one point. Beating Purdue. Beating Purdue. The first time in program history that they knocked out AP number one. Mm -hmm. So I I just, this isn't the way you wanted this season to end. And then I get a little nervous. Like if you lose five straight, and I'm not saying they're going to miss the tourney, but it does feel like it puts them on that bubble. If they close the year losing four straight and then they get aced out of the tourney on Thursday. And listen, I'm not someone that puts a lot of stock in non-conference play, but I think there's something to be said about how it prepares you for later on in the season. And you look at the non-cons, like the power teams that they played. They played Georgetown, who's worse than most mid-majors. They played, Might as well be a D2 team, right. honestly. They played Auburn, who is a good team, tournament team, but they lost to them. They got killed by Pitt by almost 30 points at home in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then DePaul. Um, and then the other quality game that they played was Liberty, who they did beat Liberty on a neutral floor there, but they didn't challenge themselves at all. When you look at, I mean, and the teams you didn't mention, can I, can I interest you in Chicago State? No, you can can't. Can I get you interested in UIC or Brown or Sorry, Prairie Hoodie. View A&M? No, yeah, apologies, can't. Jonathan Hood. Uh, Prairie View A&M. <laughs> I no. think there's like two sides of the coin. Like, you don't want to be necessarily Michigan State scheduling Duke and all mm-hmm. these gauntlet schools, Gonzaga. Right. Every year you schedule all the big boys. You don't want to do that, but you got to get a couple games in here. Georgetown... They might as well be D2. IPFW occasionally on the good side of the Horizon League, but not this year. You're scheduling Horizon League. Give yourself some challenge. Then then you look at the end of this season, and yeah, they played well in a Big Ten. I think both of us say it's not a great Big Ten. No. And now they're closing out the year with just real struggles. The one thing that does concern me about Northwestern, too, they had a top 10, I think even at one point, top five Ken Palm defense earlier in the year. They've slipped to 26. So the defense, which has been their bread and butter all season long, because that offense has been outside the top 90, 100 all season long. If the defense is slipping, this team ain't winning a tournament game. They're in trouble. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to win a Big Ten tournament game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of teams that can win, you and I each have a list. We've got lists of teams that can win a national title. And 
You've got beef with a bet you made with somebody upstairs, too. So we will do all that when we come back. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling, this is Basketball You. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2. The ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000.